Thank you for listening to the Alliance Church Podcast. We desire to connect you with God and one another, whether here in Wisconsin or around the world. Let's listen into this week's message. It's not a strange thing to hear someone say, listen, if God is so good, how come there's so much pain in this world? Or someone to say, if God is sovereign, if he's supposedly in control over everything, then how come there's so much injustice or hurt or evil? I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Maybe you've said that before. Well, you know, even Don Quixote, that insanely optimistic a man of La Mancha, if he had our headlines, right, he would be disillusioned as well. We need to, to, to deal rationally and intelligently and theologically with the, the issue of pain, with the question of if God is sovereign, how come? We do need to address that, and we can biblically, but we need not start there. It's really important. Folk want to start there, and I understand that, but, but we need to go back to Genesis 1 and 2 because the world that we're living in right now is not of God's making. When God created the world for us, intended for us, it was perfection, right? In that world, there was no sickness or disease. There was no backaches or, or sore throats or headaches or stomach aches. There was no TB or MS or ALS or diabetes, there was, there was no medical procedures or IVs or, or medications or nursing homes or hospitals or, or doctors. We didn't need any of that because physically everything was perfect. Relationally, everything was perfect. There was no fighting. There was, there was no argumentation. There was no silent treatments and, and slamming the door and squealing the tires. There was, there was no shaming or blaming. Our relationships were, were perfect. There was no, no dissension whatsoever. Mentally, our, our mental health was perfect. There was no confusion ever. There was no schizophrenia or, or bipolar disorders or any kind of disorders. There was no, no sadness or disillusionment or discouragement or hallucinations or panic attacks or fears or phobias of any kind. Uh, none. There were no counselors. We didn't need them at, at that point. There were no um, robberies. There was no crime. There was no guns and no locks and no shootings or lootings or protests. There's no poverty. There was no police or no military. There was no war. All that could possibly be had was peace. There were no um, dangerous species or no endangered species. There were no tsunamis or earthquakes or tornadoes or hailstorms or blizzards or, or, or wildfires or flooding or mosquito bites. Everything was perfect. This was what, what God created. This is the world he actually had intended for us. But we blew it all up. And you'd say, well, why did we blow it? How did we? What happened? Well, that's what Genesis 3 is there for. And Genesis 3, I think, is like a landmark chapter of the Bible. It's really, we could spend at least six weeks series just going through Genesis 3, an amazing chapter. But, but today, we're going we're gonna to kind of go, you know, 30,000-foot overview, and we're looking at three aspects of Genesis chapter 3. We're looking at the fall, the fallout of the fall, and the solution. 
So if you got your Bibles or if you got your, your app on your phone, if you'd locate Genesis chapter 3, I think you'd be good to, to, to follow along. Um, I'm in the ESV. Of course, if you've got a Bible app from you version, you can get Swahili, any version, any, any translation you want. But ESV would, would allow you to follow the words on the screen. And so let's kick right in and start right at the beginning. This is the fall. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And right away, we've got some questions, right? I mean, didn't a talking snake kind of uh, alarm Eve? Was this a normal thing? Or maybe um, this is Satan, right? How did Satan get here? I mean, how did the evil enter into this perfect world? These are good questions, but notice that, that these questions are not answered in this text. This is not the purpose of this text. The whole goal here God has is for us to understand how we ended up where we are and what the solution is. That, that's the goal. Now, notice, too, that this serpent is crafty. And that's got negative connotations in English, right? Crafty. That's kind of a scary word. But in the original uh, Hebrew, the word is actually used in a positive sense, more than it's used in a negative sense. And it can't just be a neutral. The, the, the serpent was just subtle. And so we're not seeing anything suspicious yet. Even, even the question, you know, he doesn't come in saying, Hey, Eve, I'm here to tempt you and mess everything up just so you know. He's a little bit more subtle than that, right? Satan's, don't, don't misjudge this serpent. He's not there to cause any trouble. He just has some questions. He just wants to enter into a, a, a conversation about God's word, a theological conversation. That's all. So he asks Eve this question. Eve, help me out. Maybe I didn't really hear things right. You know, did God really say you couldn't eat from any of these trees? Did God really say that, Eve? And so she answers. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Well, Eve was kind of loose with her translation of what God actually said. That's not exactly what God said. We find his words in chapter 2, verse 16. The Lord said, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. And if we were to add 17, and I should have... It said, he would go on to say, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. But you see what God's uh, emphasis is here. God's emphasis is on all of the things he's given. He says, you can eat from any tree. You can freely eat. You guys eat to your heart's content. Just eat, eat the bark. I don't care, eat it all. Just eat everything. That's great. But there's just this one tree that uh, you, can't, you can't eat from this one tree or you'll, you'll die. And so Eve reports this to, to uh, uh, Satan. And I can imagine if snakes could smile that Satan probably would be smiling right now. Maybe laughing a little bit. <laughs> God, God said that? Really? Whoa, whoa, hang on, hang on, wait a minute. God said you will die? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Eve, 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 Eve. Did you buy that? I mean, that, that's not even rational, Eve. 
I mean, think about it. That, that, that makes no sense. I mean, only a simpleton, someone who's anti-scientific, anti-intellectual, a, a, a hate-monging person, somebody who's, who's everything phobic, a close-minded individual, a radical religiosity sort of person would believe something like that. You, you're not like one of those people leave, are you? And he, you know, I'm, no, 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 me, no, no. Adam, maybe not me. I'm, I'm, I'm not one of, one of those people. You know, most of the time when we fall, when we sin, it's not because the, the reasons are really so good. It's because there's mocking. God's word has been mocked. And no one, who wants to be a simpleton, closed-minded, bigot person? I don't want to be one of those. And so we back off in the defense. And then Satan shows his serpent, shows his true colors, right? In verse 4 and 5, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, straight up contradicting God. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. What's he saying here? He's saying, Eve, Eve, Eve. You're not going to die if you eat this fruit. Matter of fact, just opposite Eve. That's when you really start to live. If you don't need to be playing some two-bit part in someone else's play, write your own script, Eve. Sing your own song. I mean, you need to determine what's right and wrong for you. You don't need to be listening to some God who, who you, you know how he became God? It's the tree. The tree is going to make you your own master. You don't need to be subjected to anybody, Eve. I mean, it's, his tactics have not changed a whole lot, have they? Same same stuff. And so when the woman saw, verse 6, that the fruit of the tree was good for food and was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, now you might say, well, well hang on, wait a minute. How has she just seen this tree? I mean, this like tree was in the center, right? This was in her front yard. She's just now seen this tree. She hasn't seen it this way before. And just think for a moment, Satan's tactics. He's so good. He's so crafty. He's so subtle. Eve had everything. And he takes her focus from the myriad of trees. Every tree, any tree. She could eat freely any of them. And he puts her focus on the one thing that she is denied. And, and, and this, she focuses on this thing. And as she focuses on this one, she's got the words of the serpent ringing through her mind. Well, maybe it's true. Wow. And as she looks at the fruit, she can imagine what it tastes like. She begins to fant fantasize about this. She begins to lust after this fruit. She, she really wants it. I mean, no, no, no. She needs it. She can't live without it. You know, we are Eve. You know, God has, we're surrounded by all these blessings that God has given us. Myriad of blessings. We're incredible things to enjoy life. But you know what we focus on? We focus on that one thing that, that has been denied us. That we can't have. That, that God could give it to us, but he hasn't. The one thing that will make life really enjoyable. That will help us to really find our purpose in life. That's what we focus on. You know, if, if I just... If I just could get a date, right, or if I could just have a wife who really, really respected me. 
If I just really had a husband who loved me, and that's what I'm supposed to have, really listened to me. If, if I just could have a fulfilling sexual life, that's what, I'm, I'm missing that. And God could have, but look what he gave me and who he gave me. If I just could get into this school and get these grades, if I could just get such and such a job, or if I just had this type of health, or if in fact I, I just had this thing or that thing, then I would really enjoy life. But God has, has denied it from me. And Satan would be saying, Eve, I can't believe the one thing you need. God has said no. I mean, I thought he loved you. I don't know if I would trust a God like that, Eve. Maybe it's time to take matters in your own hands. And then notice the rapid succession of verbs here. She saw, she took, she ate, she gave. And all hell broke loose. And all, all earth broke. Their relationship, their oneness they had broke. Their relationship with God broke. The nature broke. The environment broke. Their innocence was, was gone. Paradise was lost. And you might be saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down just a little bit, cowboy. Hang on, hang on. Hey, wait, whoa, whoa. Are you being a little bit overdramatic here? Because, I mean, if you just step back and look at what really happened... This is just a simple, stupid piece of fruit. I mean, was anyone hurt here? Nobody was hurt. No one was forced into this. These guys were consenting adults here. They didn't even vandalize the garden. They didn't even take a whole bushel of this stuff. They just took one piece of fruit. There was no yelling or screaming, using God's name in vain. Everything was fine. There was no sexual perversion going on here. I think this is not that big of a deal. How many times have you heard that? It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. And you wonder if maybe it is a big deal to God. And I believe this is a historical event, but we can't miss the, the representation here. Because what did this tree represent? It represented the choice to dethrone God. It represented the, the choice to go rogue, to go independent from God. It represented me being my own master, taking over, being in charge of myself. I'm no longer going to listen to him. Thank you very much. This was a coup. This was taking over the garden. This was, I'm now in charge, God. Thank you. It's a big deal. Every time we sin, we think it's a little thing. It's not a little thing. Every single little sin is a big deal every time we, we entertain lust no no one's hurt no one's hurt it's just a little just a, not even a long time no one's hurt every every single time we wallow in self-pity every time we, we say that thing that we know we shouldn't say we open our mouth when we, we we know we should keep it closed or we or we keep our mouth closed when we know we should open it every time we click on that site every time we go that place every time we do that thing what we're doing is we're taking a step away from God. And if I can be crass for just a second, we are giving God the finger, saying, thank you, God, I've got this one. I'm doing this myself. And every step we walk away from, and you know what? His voice gets a little bit fainter and a little bit fainter, and we're always thinking it's not a big deal. I can come back. I can come back. Well, you know what? After a while, we, we, we're, we're not, we can't hear him. There's no coming back. It's a big deal. And so what is the fall out of the fall well let's let's read um, 
verses 7 through 11. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. By the way, you know, it's the very first mention of fear in the history of the world. Because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Now, God asks Adam three questions. And he doesn't ask the questions because he needs information. But man is hiding. And God knows, driving him out of his hiding is not going to do it. He's got to draw him out. And the questions are meant to do that. I think this is fascinating. You know, God does not come yelling and screaming. He doesn't come with lightning bolts, which probably what any of us would do if our kids messed up this much, where they ruined everything. He comes seeking to draw them out. First question, where are you? God knows where he's at. But the picture is of... Uh, High school junior comes home late again, and dad is waiting at the door to meet him. It's three in the morning, and the kid is smelling like booze and pot, and everything's disabled, and he goes to bed. Next day, dad walks into his room, sits on the edge of his bed, and says, hey, son, where are you? I mean, I know we're close physically, but it's like there's a million miles gap between us how did you get there i need you to come home it's 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 a it's a wife who goes into her husband's home office and there he is behind his screen still again maybe caught up with the events of the world or or worried about work or, or trying to to get that next promotion so he's working on another project and so she slowly closes the the computer screen and she says honey where are you where is that man I married, the one who used to like to be with me and the kids? We miss you. We need you to come home. Where are you? You know, it's, it's a question that's, that's meant to wake you up. And what God is asking Adam, that very, that very thing. And then God asks a second question. Uh, who told you you were naked? Naked. Let's talk about naked for just a minute. What is naked? Now, um, beyond the superficial surface level thing, naked is being completely vulnerable with somebody. It's being completely open where the other person knows 100% about everything, right? They know motivations and every single thing I've ever done and why I've done it and why I'm doing it now and my aspirations, and they know everything everything it's a very very vulnerable place to be and so when God asks him this God knows that nakedness really isn't the, the problem because in 225 this is the last verse before you get to chapter 3 Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame and so God's walking and Adam hides and God says where are you and, and, and Adam says well I hid because I was naked and God's saying for crying out loud Adam you've always been naked man what is what is the deal with the nakedness well, that can't be the real issue has something else happened? Something else changed here? Shame has entered 
guilt has entered in. And that's uh, been the issue. I don't know if you've ever uh, shared something deep with somebody. I mean, we're not just talking profound. We're talking dark in your own heart, in your own history, in your own everything, your motivation. Where you share, your, and, and when you share it, you know, you're kind of scared to share it. But you do, you get it out there, and you're kind of holding your breath to see what they do. And then perhaps, let's just say, they end up giving you a big hug, and they love you more. And you're thinking, you're, you're, you're great, because you're not hiding right now, right? It's, 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 the issue is, is, is this person knows me and still loves me. And, and this is, I think, that to be purely loved, you have to be purely known, and it's not that the other person might not want to love you. It's that we are hiding from them. And so if we let ourselves be known, we can be loved. But here's the danger. And you know this is true. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. It happened to me. Where you share something with somebody, dark thing about you, and they run with it. And they tell a bunch of other people. And now they're mocking you. And there's humiliation. And what are you thinking right away? I'm never doing that again, right? No, we're, we're, done, we're done with that. I like to be known and loved. But I realize that the risk is just too great. And so we hide. We all hide. We all hide. It's one of the reasons why our love is imperfect down here. And so Adam sows Eve. They sow some fig leaves together. Those are huge leaves, and who knows what they look like before the fall, but fig leaves together, they hide. And we've got our own fig leaves. Sometimes our fig leaves are uh, our attitude, bravado, or maybe apathy, I don't care. Or maybe uh, as a, a hyper-introversion, we just play our cards really close to the chest. We're not showing anybody anything. Maybe our fig leaves are our achievements, or our awards, our rewards, our education, our degrees, our money, and what we drive, who we know, where we've been. We're good. These are our fig leaves. And we're going to make sure you see the fig leaves and not see what's really inside so that you might see the, the loser that's really down in there that I'm afraid might really be there. And so I've got to, to, to hide from you. I've got to hide from myself. This is who I am, my fig leaves. That's what it is. Well, Cinderella had a problem, didn't she? She wanted to go to the ball, right? She wanted to go hang out with all the pretty people, all the, the movers and shakers, but Cinderella was kind of locked in her dungeon room. And Disney doesn't tell us this part, but I can project it a little bit. Uh, Cinderella hasn't had a bath or shower in quite some time, and she's been working like a dog, so probably Cinderella's in a, a bad place. She's probably a mess. And she's got nothing to wear, of course, because she's just treated so terribly awful. Uh, but she really wants to go to this ball. Well, lo and behold, Fairy Godmother shows up. And Fairy Godmother is pretty good, isn't she? Because she doesn't just open the door for Cinderella. But she waves her wand. And Cinderella is suddenly decked out in this gown. You just can't touch. It's phenomenal. And she waves it again, and Cinderella has taken a bath, and her hairdo is phenomenal, and she's got the jewelry on and makeup, and she is looking incredible. Cinderella cleans up nice, and then she's got these shoes that are, I've never seen anything like it. And, and then she's, got, she's given a stretch limo that's just I mean, an incredible ride and servants, and so she goes to the ball, and everybody who sees her, they're like, wow, check, check, check her out. 
And she's dancing and having a blast. And she's hanging out with the prince. And the prince is awestruck as well. And then she hears the clock start to count down. She hears the chimes. And she knows in just a few moments, every one of these people are going to know who I really am, know what I'm really like. And she runs. She runs. We run in life. We get close maybe sometimes, but we can't let folks see. Because that's an exhausting deal, isn't it? But, but let me ask you this, Cinderella. What are you going to do when midnight strikes? Because it is coming. It scares us to death that we might be found out. But, but midnight's coming. Look at Hebrews 4.13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare. That's naked before his eyes, the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God knows everything, things that you have suppressed, things that you don't remember, things that you've hid from yourself and talked yourself into believing that really it was okay to do that. God knows. And we will stand before him. And there'll be no fig leaves at that point. So what's the solution? Well, Genesis 3.21 says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Now, I think this is, this is fascinating. We go over, we skip this sometimes, and we miss this piece. But, but God didn't say, Adam. You know those, those stupid fig leaves that you're wearing? You know, they're so out, and we don't need those anymore. And you know what? That You don't need those. Just be, forget those. Let's just go back to the way it was and pretend that everything's fine. It's just some psychological deal you're struggling with. You don't need those. God knows that since shame has entered in, since guilt has entered in, that's a real thing. I mean, that's a real thing. You can't just dismiss it. But God knows that Adam cannot. He doesn't have the ability to cover it up. Not appropriately. He's going to try. And so God takes, this is amazing to me, God takes an animal. These folk have never seen death before. He takes an animal and he slaughters it, kills it, takes its hide, and covers them. And you would think, wouldn't you think, that with God's sacrifice, everything is all better. But you know it's not all better. The very last verse of chapter 3. He drove the man out, that's out of the Garden of Eden, and he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. They're kicked out of the Garden of Eden, which is the presence of God. There's one way back in, it's a gate back in, but there are cherubim there, angelic heavenly beings with a flaming sword. So the very first weapon was created by God is judgment. They can't get in. God's clothed them, God's sacrificed, but you know what? That's still on one level not good enough. They're outside the presence of God. It's a picture, though, of what's going to happen if you go to Jerusalem multiple thousand years down the road. Let's go to 30 AD. There's a temple in, in Jerusalem. And there's, there's two rooms in the temple. There's the holy place, right, where the, all the priests can come in and they can uh, burn incense and pray and, and, and worship. In the, and, but then there's a most holy place, second room. 
Nobody goes in there. That's, that's like the Garden of Eden. That is the very presence of God. And there's a curtain separating the holy place and the most holy place. And this curtain, this is not a shower curtain. You know, I'm told that there's a little under 40 feet between this floor and, and the, the ceiling. Well, the temple was 60 feet. So this curtain is going all the way, from the floor all the way up and then half the distance more. I mean, this thing is massive. It is huge. The curtain is four inches thick of, of layer after layer of finely woven, twisted uh, material. I mean, this thing's like bulletproof. It's this huge, huge curtain separating mankind. Priests can go on that side, but no one comes on this side. Woven into this curtain. Guess this, get this. Two cherubim. Just like the ones guarding God's presence in the Garden of Eden, these cherubim are guarding God's presence in the Holy of Holies. You don't go past. The word is you go past, try to get past the cherubim, you die. And so with all the myriad of sacrifices that have happened at the tabernacle, that have happened over the temple, over the millennium, all the, 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 the sacrifices that God sanctioned, that were done by official priests, that were done correctly and right, were not enough to get you into the presence of God. The cherubim was still there. But then, when Jesus died on the cross, Matthew 27, when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The cherubim were dismissed. Suddenly, the presence of God was opened. That which the sacrifice by God could not do. The sacrifice of God did do. And so all they're, they're hiding, all the, it, 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 you can't have fig leaves that are going to get you in the presence of God, but you have to be covered by God with Christ's blood. And suddenly the presence is open. Now let me ask you just, just three questions. God asked Adam three questions. Let me ask you three. First of all, let me ask you, where are you this morning? In your relationship to God. No, don't ask where your, your kids are or where your spouse is. That's between them and God this morning. Where are you in relationship to God this morning? Perhaps, would it be far-stretched to think that God is calling you? How about this? That God misses you? God recognizes your absence. He's noticed you walking away, maybe for some time, and maybe he wants you back. Where are you? Second question. What fig leaves are you wearing this morning? Nothing wrong with achievement, but, but things that we try to hide, we know... Deep down, we're afraid that we might know deep down who we are. And so we're trying to hide and trying to earn favor with people, maybe even with God. Our fig leaves are not going to work. What fig leaves are you wearing today? Third question. Have you, veil's ripped, it's open. The presence of God is wide open. Have you gone in? Have you recognized that the fig leaves are not doing it? I need to be clothed in the, the, the righteousness of Christ. Some fig leaves people use are religiosity, church, good things. And they're just hoping, I got enough of those fig leaves, that's going to let me in one day. It's not letting you in. 
can't get enough. You have to be clothed in Christ. Have you reached to him for your forgiveness? Because we're going to live in this broken world until he returns, until he calls us home. But one day, here's the hope, Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 anyway, here's the hope that one day we will live in such a paradise that it will be restored. It will be better than anything we could imagine if we're in Christ. Would you, would you pray with me? It's easy, God, for, for us, for me, to sit down and point at Adam and Eve for messing everything up when I really know that I would have done the same thing. I've done the same thing over and over again. We all have. But we have chosen to disobey you. We've chosen to be our own master. We've chosen to walk away thinking that that one thing that you didn't give us, that that is where joy is found and if we do get there, just like Adam and Eve, we realize we've been, uh, we've been fooled. Lord, would you help us? Would you help me to focus on all the gifts that you've given, the good gifts? Would you help us to lay down the, the fig leaves, as it were, and seek to be clothed in you, Christ, and recognize that it's by your blood, your sacrifice, that we do have uh, restoration. As we go this week and the worlds you've made for us, may our, our consciousness of your presence, our consciousness of this, direct our lives in such a way that people look and they, they, they know that there must be a God in heaven. I pray that that would be so. Would you remind us of this? In, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as you uh, leave this morning, I got to remind you that right, if you are a member right outside these doors in front of the fireplace, we need you to vote. Now, if you're wondering, am I a member or not? I'm not sure. I've been coming a long time. If you're not sure, probably, probably you're not a member. vast majority of us are not. You can be. Go online. Click next steps. It'll take you to the membership link. But if you are one, cast your vote. You're dismissed. Have a good day.